Thank you, sir. Thank you, Ryan. It's good to see everyone this morning. Take your Bibles, if you will, and open them to Luke chapter 24. You can imagine my surprise and shock when I picked up a copy of the Greensboro News and Record this morning and read these alarming words. Yesterday on the eve of the annual celebration of the resurrection of Jesus of Nazareth, the one million inhabitants of the city of Jerusalem were shocked by the announcement that a body identified as that of Jesus Christ was found in a long neglected tomb just outside the boundary of the city. Rumors had been circulating for the past week that a very important discovery was about to be announced. The news, however, far outstrips all of our wildest guesses. The initial reaction of Christians around the world has been one of astonishment, bewilderment, and disbelief. We will have to wait and see just what effect this discovery will have on the 2,000-year-old religion. To this unbelieving writer, it appears Christianity will now have to take its place on the same level with the other religions of the world. No longer can its followers claim that unlike other religions, the tomb of its founder is empty. Evidently, a 2,000-year-old hoax has come to an end. April Fool's. Got your attention, though, did it? <laughs> and that's what an illustration is supposed to do. <laughs> Aren't you glad it's April Fools? Amen. Aren't you glad that we can sing this morning and we can proclaim the fact that He is alive? Amen. Friend, the resurrection is not a two thousand year old hoax, but it is an actual historical event. And thank God there was no such article in the paper this morning. If you're seeking Jesus, do not go to his grave. He is not there. He is risen, just as he said. For no event in human history has been debated more than the resurrection of Christ. The two theories most often mentioned to deny the resurrection are what are called the kidnap theory and the swoon theory. The kidnap theory proposes the disciples stole the body of Jesus and hid it and then said he was alive. Now think about this for just a moment. Can you imagine 11 fishermen or disciples, carpenters, fishermen, overpowering Roman soldiers moving a two-ton stone, stealing the body of Jesus just so they could claim he had come back to life and then willingly die to protect that lie. Well, what about the swoon theory? That suggests that Jesus simply lost consciousness on the cross. And when he was placed in the tomb, the coolness revived him and he escaped. By removing the two-ton stone and overpowering the Roman soldiers. Tragically, even some who claim to be Christians deny the bodily resurrection of Christ. 
However, the central truth of the Christian faith is that Jesus Christ died for our sins. He was buried and he rose again the third day. Today, the Holy Spirit confirms that Jesus is alive to anyone who is seeking to know this truth. Here's my question this morning as we look into our text and we talk about the resurrection of Jesus. Do you yourself personally believe in the resurrection of Christ? Your answer will determine how you will live your life both now and in eternity. This morning, I want to talk about the fact of Jesus' resurrection from the dead. And, if, and, and let me just say this. The, 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 the truth of the resurrection has been no more evident to me than in the past few days at a hospital in Charlotte, North Carolina. On Thursday, I was up there in the waiting room. It was filled with people from Cornerstone and Hickory Grove Church, where Will goes to church now. People Will works with from his company there in Charlotte. There were people who had gathered around, and most of the people in that room who were there to see Will shared his common belief in Jesus Christ, who rose from the dead. But as I was standing there talking to Aaron Peters, one of our young men who is now planning a church in Boston, I looked over to my right, and there sitting at a table all alone was a young lady. And you could just see this blank look on her face and this look of desperation. And I went back to see Will, and um, uh, I had been back there one time before, but I was taking Teresa some soup um, before Nancy and I left to come back to Greensboro. And as I was trying to go in the doors into the ICU unit, this young lady, the same young lady that I had seen earlier, sitting at the table with just this blank look on her face, she was coming out of the ICU and she was bawling. She was weeping. And you could see the hopelessness, the despair in her face. And I thought to myself, God, only you know what's going to happen to Will Crabtree back here in this room, in this ICU unit. But we all know what's going to happen regardless of what takes place in this ICU. We know Will Crabtree and we know every one of us who know Christ as Savior and Lord have the hope of the resurrection. That regardless of what happens to us, there is life after this. And I want you to understand this morning, the resurrection is not just some historical event that we like to talk about at Easter, but it has profound impact upon your life if you will let it. So let's look here this morning. Maybe you're a doubter. Maybe you say, well, I'm not sure I'm one of those who believe in the resurrection. I need proof. Um, uh, show me, uh, Pastor, um, uh, proof that I need that Jesus truly was um, raised from the dead. Well, let's look here in Luke's account of the resurrection. And then we're going to skip over to 1 Corinthians 15 uh, as well. But there are three indisputable proofs of Christ's resurrection that I want to give to you this morning. First of all, the first proof is the angel's announcement. Now, because Sabbath was about to begin on Friday at sunset, the women who had followed Joseph and Nicodemus to the tomb could, couldn't do anything more. It was against the Jewish law for them to do anything on the Sabbath. So they left 
to go home to prepare spices and perfumes in order to return after the Sabbath to anoint Jesus' body. Now for two days, and I'm sure those had to be the longest days in the disciples' lives, they were filled with fear and despair. They had heard Jesus talk about his death, but now they didn't know what was going to happen. They were uncertain. All their hopes and their dreams and their promises were scattered to the wind. But on Sunday, the first day of the week, look at verse 1. The first day of the week at early dawn, the women went to the tomb. They took the spices they had prepared. And as they approached, look at this, they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. Luke records they became perplexed. Frightened, they looked, they looked at each other, not certain what to do. And at this point, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. They were angels. They were Christ's messengers come to announce that he was alive. So look what it says. Why do you seek the living among the dead, they asked. He's not here, but is risen Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise? Friend, these women at that moment reflected the hearts of many Christians today who are living as if Jesus never was raised from the dead. They have no hope, they have no joy, they have no peace, they have no faith, they have no confidence that this is not all there is, that there is life after death. Yes, yet as Alfred Ackley wrote in 1935, the key message of Christianity is he lives, he lives, Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, he lives, salvation to impart. You ask me how I know he lives, he lives within my heart. Just as God sent his angels to announce the birth of Jesus to the shepherd, he sent his angels to announce the resurrection of Jesus to these faithful women. And friend, today, God has sent me to announce to you, Jesus is alive. He's alive. A second indisputable proof of the resurrection, not only the angel's announcement that he was not there, but that he was alive just as he had told them he would be. But look in the second place at the empty tomb itself. Now, the women ran to the disciples to tell them the good news. They found Peter filled with remorse. Thomas's mind was filled with doubt. John's heart was filled with grief. The rest were struggling with doubts and fears. Not one of them believed that Jesus had risen from the dead, even though he had said to them, for just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The report of the women Look in, look in verse 11 here. Seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But it says here, Peter rose and ran to the tomb to look for himself. And stooping and looking in, he saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what happened. The tomb indeed was empty. 
in the hills of Judah outside Jerusalem in a garden near Mount Calvary was Joseph's tomb, the burial place of the Lord Jesus. Nicodemus, Joseph of Arimathea had taken his body from the cross. They had buried Jesus in the tomb. The battle against sin and blood was treacherous, but what appeared at first to be defeat was actually the prelude to victory. That old rugged cross took its toll, but it failed to have the final voice. Against all odds, that victim became the victor. Up from the grave, he arose with a mighty triumph o'er his foes. Friend, today we don't visit some holy site and say, that's where the body of Jesus is. One of the greatest proofs of the resurrection is the fact that nobody has ever produce, produced the corpse of Jesus. Even if you're a skeptic, you've got to answer the question, what happened to Jesus' body? When the Peter went to the tomb, he looked and saw it was empty. In 1963, the body of 14-year-old Addie Mae Collins, one of four African-American girls who was tragically murdered in a, a church bombing um, by white racists, was buried in Birmingham, Alabama. For years, uh, Addie Mae's family would uh, return to the grave to pray and to leave flowers as families are prone to do when, when a loved one passes. Then in 1998, they made a decision to dig up Addie Mae's body and to um, rebury it at another cemetery. While workers were sent to uh, uh, dig up the young girl's body, they shockingly discovered that the grave was empty. There was no body. Now, Understandably, the family members were distraught. They thought their daughter was in this grave. Well, it so happened that um, uh, the records by the cemetery officials had been poorly kept, and they, you can imagine, scrambled to figure out what had happened. Several possibilities were raised. The primary one was that her tombstone had been erected in the wrong place. Yet in the midst of determining what had happened to Addie Mae's body, one explanation was never proposed. Nobody ever suggested that young Addie Mae Collins had been resurrected and was now walking around on the earth. Why? Because by itself, an empty grave does not a resurrection make. So when the Peter went to the tomb at the announcement to, by the women who had heard from the angels, he's not here. And he looked in and saw there was no body. The tomb was empty, even though that would point to the fact that he was resurrected. That in itself alone was not enough proof to 
validate the resurrection. So we have to go to a third indisputable indisputable proof and that is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and I want you to turn there with me. I want you to see the third indisputable proof is Jesus' appearance afterwards. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, For I deliver to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day, in accordance with the scriptures and that he appeared to Cephas then to the twelve then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time most of whom are still alive though some have fallen asleep then he appeared to James then to all the apostles last of all as to one untimely born Paul says he appeared to me for in the absence of a body alone is not a compelling argument But when you combine it with the fact that a living, breathing Jesus appeared to his disciples, you either have to say the account is fictional or Jesus really came back from the dead. Jesus didn't just make one or two appearances. The Bible says that over a period of 40 days before Jesus ascended back to heaven, he made numerous appearances. He appeared to Mary Magdalene at the tomb. He appeared to uh, some of the women. He appeared to the disciples on the road to Emmaus. He appeared to Peter. He appeared to the 11 apostles at once, both when Thomas was with them and when Thomas was not with them. He appeared to seven apostles by the shore of the Sea of Galilee. He appeared to more than 500 disciples on a mountain in Galilee. He appeared to James. He appeared to the apostles when he ascended back to heaven. And after Jesus' ascension, Paul says he appeared to him on the Damascus Road. Chuck Colson, who served as special counsel to President Richard Nixon, defended the resurrection of Jesus Christ like this. He wrote, I know the resurrection is a fact, and Watergate proved it to me. How? Because 12 men testified they had seen Jesus raised from the dead, and then they proclaimed that truth for 40 years, never once denying it. Everyone was beaten, tortured, stoned, and put in prison. They would not have endured that if it weren't true. Watergate embroiled 12 of the most powerful men in the world, and they couldn't keep alive for three weeks. You're telling me 12 apostles could keep alive for 40 years? Absolutely impossible, he said. Do you believe in the resurrection? I know we sing about it. I know we've talked about it. Um, I know we've portrayed it in the Holy Week uh, event we did last Sunday, and uh, Hannah read it to the children in the story this morning. But for you yourself, personally, do you believe in the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ? The angels did. The women who came to the tomb believed it. And the disciples finally did. Every Christian down through the centuries has believed in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
For his resurrection, listen, his resurrection is our only hope for eternal life. If Jesus was not raised, then everything we're doing is for naught. It's for nothing. Without the resurrection, there is no salvation. Because Jesus rose victorious over sin and death. Friend, if there had been no resurrection, Jesus would only be remembered as a great man or a great teacher and nothing more. If there is no resurrection, we are foolish to believe he was the Son of God. Paul contemplated the issue when he wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 14. He said, and if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is vain and your faith is vain. One of the clearest salvation verses in all the Bible is found in Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. Paul says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Why doesn't the Bible say, believe Jesus was born of a virgin? Why doesn't the Bible say, believe Jesus walked on water? Why doesn't the Bible say, believe that Jesus performed miracles, that Jesus healed a blind man, or that Jesus lived a good moral life? Why? Why does it not say any of those things? Because, listen, it is the resurrection alone that makes Jesus unique among all the people who have ever lived. The only way to heaven is to have your sins forgiven. And the only way that can happen is to believe in the resurrection of Christ. To those who know Jesus as Savior and Lord, death has lost its sting. It is no longer something to be feared. I read about a father and his son who were traveling down a country road one day and it was the afternoon in the spring and um, it was hot. They had the windows down and suddenly a bee flew in and was buzzing all around the car. The boy was deathly allergic to bee stings and he began to panic as the bee buzzed around his head. Seeing the fear in his little boy's face, the father reached out and caught that bee in his hand. He, in a moment, he opened up his hand and the bee flew out. He released the bee. That bee continued to fly around that car and the little boy again began to panic. But the father reached over to his son, he opened up his palm, and he showed him where the bee had stung him. And he said, relax, son, I took the sting, the bee can't hurt you anymore. But I want you to understand something this morning. Satan is buzzing all around your life today. In one way or another, he is buzzing all around you, but I want you to understand something because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, because of the crucifixion of Jesus and the resurrection two days later, God has taken the sting out of death and you and I have nothing to fear. That is what Easter is all about.
The empty tomb of Jesus is God's way of saying, relax, my child, I took the sting. Sin and death can no longer hurt you. Jesus said in John chapter 11, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. In whom have you placed your faith this morning? What are you putting your faith in? My prayer is that on this Easter Sunday that you have put your personal faith in the only one who can save you. And the only one who can assure that your life here on earth will be abundant and fulfilling and joyful. And the only one who can assure you of eternal life to come. And that is Jesus. That's what Easter is all about. Friend, I I don't know where you are this morning, but I know this. There is no one who is beyond the touch of God on their life. There is no one beyond God's grace and God's mercy. The Bible doesn't say, for God loved most of the world. For God loved the majority of the world. The Bible says, for God loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. One of the things that I have just been so impressed with, with all of this, with Will's situation, is to hear his mom and dad and to hear others talk about this young man and his heart for God. And how if anyone would be thinking about and praying for the man who hit him intentionally, it is Will Crabtree. Will would be the first to say, this man needs Jesus. This man is one whom Jesus died for. This man can also have the same hope that I have laying here in this hospital. This man needs the hope and the assurance of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That regardless of what one may have done, no one is beyond hope. No one is beyond the reach of God's grace. I want you to bow your heads for just a moment all across this room. Friend, I don't believe for a moment that you're here just out of coincidence. I don't believe you're here just because you woke up and said, oh, it's Easter Sunday, I need to go to church. I believe that every one of us are here because God in his providence has led us here. And friend, if you've never trusted in Jesus to be your Savior and Lord, I I would just encourage you today to think through This whole Easter event, Jesus' crucifixion, the fact that he hung on that cross to die for the sins of the world, the fact that as he hung on that cross, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. The fact that two days later, when those ladies went to that tomb, and then the disciples afterwards, 
And they saw, as the angels had announced, that the body of Jesus was gone. And then later, as Jesus made his appearance to them, and they understood what Jesus meant when he said he would rise again. Have you ever looked to Jesus and the hope and the promise of eternal life? Friend, if you're here and you've never trusted in Jesus, you've heard about his crucifixion on the cross, but you've never really acknowledged it in your own life. The Bible says in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, for all have sinned and come short of God's glory. That means we've all done wrong things. We all have committed sin. We all are responsible for Jesus going to the cross. Have you ever acknowledged your sins before God? Have you ever just been honest to say, you know, God, I know there is wrong in my life. I know that I have done terrible things for which I'm ashamed of, for which I feel guilty of. But God, I have read and I have heard people say that you love this world so much that you gave your son Jesus to die, not just for the world, but to die for me. And God, if that's so, then today I admit my sins. I acknowledge that I need Jesus in my heart. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. And I invite Jesus, your son, to come into my heart and save me from my sins. Because I believe that not only did Jesus die, but that he rose again three days later. And that he's alive today as he sits at your right hand. But I pray that Jesus would be alive in my heart as well. And so God, I ask you to give me your gift of eternal life and for Jesus to come in and be my Savior and Lord. Friend, if you've never done that, all it takes is just that simple prayer of acknowledgement. Your need for Christ because of your sins, your willingness to ask him to forgive you and to invite him to come be your Savior and Lord. Maybe you're a Christian. You've done that. You made that decision maybe years ago. But it seems like Satan is just buzzing all around your life. And it seems that you are overcome today with anxiety, with fear, with discouragement. And you've just got to a place where your hope and your assurance has all but been dashed. I would remind you today that because of Jesus, Satan no longer has power over your life. Your life is in the hands of a holy and loving God who has promised he will never leave you and he will never forsake you. And today, I hope that the message of the resurrection 
has reassured you of God's love and his presence in your life. Father, we love you and praise you and we thank you for Easter. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his crucifixion and his resurrection. And we come this morning to celebrate as the body of Christ because he lives. We too may live. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.